Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin. Before I continue, I want to mention that I'm doing a bit of a donation drive. As you know, I make all these podcasts full-time. I write them, research them, edit them, everything. It's all me. And I love the fact that you guys enjoy the podcast. But I'm going to do a bit of a donation drive just because I've got bills to pay, mouths to feed, well, specifically my mouth and the mouth of my dog. i got to make sure that he has his treats and his wonderful dog food. And don't feel like you have to donate. I'm going to keep putting out podcasts whether people donate or not. But I figured I'd do a little donation call just to see how things go. But the fact that you listen to the podcast, you enjoy it, you email me, tell me you like it, give me suggestions for what should come next, that means the world to me. And if that's what you'd like to do, keep doing it because it's awesome. But if you do want to donate, just go to CanadaEHX.com and click Donate. Everybody who donates gets a shout-out throughout my social media. I also do a shout-out on the air, and I do a monthly shout-out with everybody who donated over the course of the previous month. On that note, I want to say thank you to Patricia Benny, who donated to the podcast. I truly do appreciate it. Thank you. If you like, you can email me at craig at CanadaEHX.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. Last week, we looked at one of the most well-known individuals to serve as the leader of the official opposition who never became Prime Minister, Robert Stanfield. Now I'm going to look at a man who had a multi-decade career in the House of Commons, but who also served in the post of Leader of the Opposition briefly between two Prime Ministers, Eric Nielsen. Nielsen was born in Regina, Saskatchewan, the oldest of three boys to Mabel, who was an immigrant from Wales, and Ingvert, a Danish-born constable with the RCMP. The family would live for a time in Fort Norman, where the Nielsen brothers learned to speak the local indigenous language. During his early years, the family lived in Alberta, and Nielsen would graduate from high school in 1942 in Edmonton. That same year, he enlisted with the Royal Canadian Air Force and trained in Alberta. And then during the war, he served with the number 101st Squadron and flew 33 missions with the Royal Air Force, gaining the Distinguished Flying Cross for his courage and devotion to duty and he would also rise to the rank of lieutenant. Upon arriving home, he brought with him his first wife, an Englishwoman named Pamela. From 1946 to 1951, he was back with the Royal Canadian Air Force, where he worked as a legal officer as he earned his law degree from Dalhousie. And upon graduating from law school, Nielsen opened up a practice as far away from Nova Scotia as one can get in Canada, Whitehorse in the Yukon. By this point, Nielsen and his wife had three children, his daughter Roxanne would go on to become the first woman to join the standing forces of the RCMP. On June 10, 1957, Nielsen ran for a seat in the House of Commons as a member of the Progressive Conservative Party, and he would lose that election by only 70 votes, despite previously having a 52-vote lead before the Armed Forces vote came in. But a subsequent investigation found many irregularities in the voting, and it was found that as many as seven people voted twice and the federal liberals agreed the election was flawed. The new election for the riding was called, and in that by-election, Nielsen would win by 128 votes, and he would begin 30 years of uninterrupted service in the House of Commons. In his first speech in Parliament, he spoke only of Indigenous affairs, and throughout his career, he was a vocal supporter of the Indigenous rights, even before they had the right to vote. He would state, quote, 175,000 Indians in Canada live under a dictatorship in which they have an inferior status to the average Canadian. End quote. 
The year he made that remark, 1960, was the same year the indigenous would finally get the vote. It was around this time he would develop a deep hatred of bureaucracy. He had been working with a local community group to build a new school in the Yukon community of Old Crow. He and the group had planned out a building worth $45,000, but he would claim later that bureaucrats stepped in with a new design that was worth $400,000. He would write years later, quote, I urged them not to build the school at all rather than to waste such a huge amount of money, but like Frankenstein, life had been breathed into the project and it could not now be stopped by a non-bureaucrat, end quote. While the Progressive Conservatives were in power from 1957 to 1963, Nielsen was still a young member of Parliament and he would serve as a backbencher during those years. In 1958, he was selected by Prime Minister John Diefenbaker to address the reply to the speech from the throne. This was a small but important gesture and Nielsen would remain a loyal friend and supporter to Diefenbaker for the rest of Diefenbaker's life. As a member of Parliament for the Yukon, a place that historically received little notice in Ottawa, Nielsen became known as Mr. Yukon for pushing to have the territory gain a more prominent role in Canada. He would make the first federal proposal to allow the Yukon and Northwest Territories a seat in the Senate during his first year in Parliament. Once the Conservatives were in the official opposition, though, through the 1960s and 1970s, Nielsen began to rise on the party, serving in the shadow cabinet and becoming a prominent member. During this time, he would often attack the government, earning him the nickname of the Hawk of the House. During this time, he also was known for uncovering several liberal scandals, including the Rivard Affair, in which the liberals were said to have bungled a matter relating to the escape of a drug smuggler. He soon became feared in the House of Commons by the liberals, and he would later claim the liberals prompted Revenue Canada to audit his tax return, stating, quote, The Department of National Revenue descended with full force upon me and my very disillusioned liberal partner, our taxes were substantially reassessed with interest penalties. Quote. His law partner would say in 1989 that he had no memory of any tax audit in connection with his partnership with Nielsen, which he said ended in 1957, not the 60s. Tragedy would strike in 1969 when Nielsen's wife Pamela died. In his autobiography, written 20 years later, Nielsen would tell all about his life in and out of politics. In there, he stated he had a decade-long affair with his parliamentary office secretary, which produced a son. Pamela's death was ruled due to carbon monoxide poisoning while she was in her car. It was never clear if it was a suicide or she passed out due to the combination of alcohol and prescription drugs. In 1979, Nielsen would run to be the leader of the Yukon Progressive Conservative Party, which was newly formed in the Yukon, but he was defeated in that quest by only one vote. That same year, the Progressive Conservatives won the federal election and Joe Clark became Prime Minister. During that short-lived minority government of Clark, Nielsen served as the Minister of Public Works. After the Liberals came back into power in 1980, Nielsen became the Opposition House Leader in 1981, serving until 1983. As Opposition House Leader, which was not the leader of the official opposition, he orchestrated the Bell Ring Affair, which protested the Omnibus Energy Bill of the Liberals. It involved refusing to respond to the bell summoning members of Parliament to come to the chamber to vote and would grind the business of Parliament to a halt for three weeks. He would say later, quote, Given the minority situation in the House, the legislation would have been doomed to defeat without the pre-approval of the NDP. This is a classic example of a minority government dog being wagged by the balance of power tail. End quote. 
It should be noted that at the time, the Liberals did not have a minority government, but had a majority government and did not need the support of the NDP. Nielsen was known to being fiercely loyal to the leader of the party, and when there was a movement to remove Joe Clark in 1983, he would state, quote, You don't win battles by allowing your squadron leader to be shot down in flames. End quote. While many wondered why he never attempted to become leader of the party himself, he would say later in his autobiography that he felt unworthy for it over his conduct with his parliamentary secretary during the 1950s and 1960s. After Joe Clark resigned as leader of the Progressive Conservatives on February 19, 1983, and before his replacement Brian Mulroney could take a seat in the House of Commons on June 29, 1983, the role of the leader of the official opposition fell to Nielsen. Around this same time, he would also marry his second wife, Shelley, who would remain with him for the rest of his life. After the 1984 federal election, in which Brian Mulroney won a massive landslide victory, Nielsen was appointed as the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada, a role he would hold from 1984 to 1986. In Parliament since 1957, Eric Nielsen will be Deputy Prime Minister and President of the Privy Council. He'll be Mulroney's right-hand man with real power. He's a man who doesn't always have patience with reporters' questions. What does Deputy Prime Minister mean in, in practice? You don't expect me to answer a question like that in a few seconds, surely. Well, uh, is it an important job, sir? <laughs> he would also serve as the President of the Queen's Privy Council for Canada from 1984 to 1985 and the Minister of National Defence from 1985 to 1986. During those years, Nielsen was considered to be the closest advisor of Mulroney, and with the support of Mulroney, Nielsen was one of the most powerful politicians in Canada. In his autobiography, he would write some advice for anyone looking to enter politics, stating, quote, Do not become a commuting politician. Do not tolerate separation from your family. If you do, you will lose them and learn, too late, that the house is not a home. End quote. Throughout his career as a member of Parliament, Nielsen was called Yukon Eric, referencing a wrestler from the 1950s, and Velcro Lips, for being tight-lipped with the press. And while many felt this made him successful as a member of the opposition, it was also felt that as a cabinet minister it gave the impression that he was secretive and did not like criticism. He would also not answer questions regarding political scandals, which would have the effect of causing the scandal to go on longer. Flo Wired, former Whitehorse mayor, would state, quote, he wasn't a backslapping kind of guy, a greeter, you know. He didn't have time for that. He was there to do a job and he did it. A lot of people thought he was cold, but you could understand why he was like that because he'd been in the Air Force and been through so much at such a young age. End quote. In 1986, the Sinclair Stevens conflict of interest scandal erupted, and this was an example of that. The scandal involved Stevens, a Conservative MP who was found to have 14 counts of conflict of interest allegations against him as the Minister of Regional Industrial Expansion. Mulroney was away for two weeks, and the official opposition continually attacked Nielsen with questions over the scandal, which he did his best not to answer. And when Mulroney returned, both Nielsen and Stevens were forced to resign from Cabinet. Then, the press revealed through private interviews by Nielsen in 1973 that he had received much of the information about Liberal scandals that helped bring down the Liberals and forced an election in 1965, through the use of listening devices in Liberal caucus rooms. In the 1973 interview, Nielsen was reported to have said, quote, We knew every Wednesday what was said in the Liberal caucus, word for bloody word. End quote. 
Nielsen denied the charge, but the anger over the matter prompted Mulroney to tell Nielsen to apologize, which he did reluctantly. One year later, after 30 years on the House of Commons, Nielsen resigned his seat to become the chairman of the National Transportation Agency. Mulroney would state upon his resignation, alluding to his habit of attacking the Liberals for 30 years, quote, His resignation was greeted with sadness on this side and obvious relief on the other side. End quote. In 1989, he released his aforementioned autobiography, House is Not a Home, which set the standard for its brutal honesty. This surprised many considering how tight-lipped Nielsen was during his career. In the foreword to the book, he would write, quote, Time and space have constrained me, but a desire to spare anyone's feelings, including my own, has not. End quote. He would speak on many topics in the book. Of Joe Clark, he would say, quote, Joe Clark had more attractive qualities as a leader than Brian Mulroney, but the latter has the edge in the charisma department. End quote. He would add about Clark, quote, What he does not have is a pleasing television image. His jerky movements and large head and diminished chin have doomed him. End quote. He would be especially harsh on Trudeau, calling him, quote, one of the greatest electoral disasters ever to overtake the Canadian people. My opposition to that man, to his philosophy, to almost everything he stood for, was so intense that resistance to his influence became an obsession with me. End quote. The book also created backlash in the Mulroney government after Nielsen criticized it in the book. Marjorie LeBreton, the deputy of staff to Prime Minister Mulroney, would state, quote, He's an egotistical, self-centered chauvinist. I've watched Eric Nielsen for a long time, and this is totally in character. The book tells you a lot more about Eric Nielsen than it does about anyone else. End quote. I'm the, the, old, the old clock's ticking away here. Eric, are you missing the, 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 Not the, at all. the political wife? Not at all, Peter. No, I, just have, I was just thinking the last time that I was in this studio was, was it with an interview with you. I, that must be 10 years ago or, or so. But uh, I don't miss that at all. As a matter of fact, I, I was on the cusp of not even coming to this show today, but because Les was there and because uh, you wanted to do a family thing, I'm here. I don't miss it one little bit. The, the chairmanship of the transport board keeps you. That's that was a challenge. That was a challenge. It's a diminishing challenge now. Uh, the the new organization was a great challenge, and we've made great strides in streamlining. And uh, I'm I'm surrounded by by amazing talent in the in the National Transportation Agency, and I have rather mellowed about uh, a good many things, including uh, the uh, expertise uh, in, the, in the public service in Canada. Look at this, a mellow Eric Nielsen. Yeah. In 1992, Nielsen would become the president of Solar Energy Hawaii Incorporated and Solar Electric Engineering Distributors Canada. And then, on December 4, 2008, in his home in Kelowna, Nielsen suffered a massive heart attack and died at the age of 84. In December of that year, the main airport in Whitehorse was renamed the Eric Nielsen Whitehorse International Airport. The airport actually opened in 1986, and Nielsen was on hand to cut the ribbon as the Member of Parliament for the area. Prime Minister Stephen Harper would state, quote, Eric was a significant force in the world of Canadian politics, a fearless and formidable leader. He worked with passion and commitment for his constituents every day throughout his 30 years in Canadian politics. His heart was always in the Yukon, where he lived a very different life than in Ottawa. End quote. Former Prime Minister Joe Clark would state, quote, He was one of the most skillful parliamentarians of the last half century, 
constructive in office, and a very effective MP for a diverse and difficult constituency. The development of self-government in Yukon owes more to Eric Nielsen than to any other single individual. End quote. Now you may notice that Nielsen's last name is somewhat familiar. Well, there's a reason for that, but I didn't go into too much detail because this episode is about Eric, not his world-famous brother, Leslie. That's right, Leslie Nielsen was the brother of Eric Nielsen and would only outlive him by two years passing away in 2010. For 20 years, Leslie was known as the brother of Eric, who was much more famous, but by the 1980s, Eric was known as the brother of Leslie, and he was often mistaken for him out in public. And I'll end this episode with a clip when the two brothers appeared on Morningside in 1991. <laughs> Eric Nielsen, the world learned, I think, with the, at the beginning with the, 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 the movie Airplane, and I have seldom laughed out loud as, as so frequently in a, in a modern movie, that Leslie Nielsen, the, the, the sort of everybody's best friend for, for, <laughs> in 10,000 television series, was also a brilliant comic actor that and absolutely could, could do this straight pan stuff. Pay attention to this man, Eric. Pay attention. Anyone in the history of the world. But Eric, had you known all along that Leslie actually had a sense of humor? Well, well it's, it's in our genes. Our father was a clown at the circus, for heaven's sake. He, he, he was a clown in a circus. He was a Mountie. But, well, he, but, but before that, though. They, well, really, was that. he in the... He, because to, he, in sports days... He used to ride a St. Bernard. Days, even in the Mounties, and part, part of the thing that he would do, he dressed up as a clown. And I was thinking about it one day. I thought, well, I don't really think about myself as a comedian, <clears> but more as a clown. And then I said, wow, hold on. And it flashed yeah. on me that I'd seen pictures of my father. And I said, that's it, because father was a clown. And, of course, the wonderful thing that happens now that uh, with Eric, you know, uh, you have the reference Velcro lips, of course. Never heard that. They never so. break into never. smiles. Well, you know, Eric has got a fantastic sense of humor. And, uh, you know, so you don't, agree with the Vel- you don't agree with the Velcro lips epithet well, for your I brother? Well, I mean, he, he is capable of mums the word and all that, but, you know, at least now he's, uh, I hear he's a lot of laughing from his not saying anything now. <laughs> he's just zipped up in Ottawa. Hey, it wasn't a name that was given me. It was a name that I was dubbed by you-know-who. No, who gave you that name? the media oh no yeah <laughs> great scott <laughs> them <laughs> those fellas <laughs> eric do, you, are, do, do, do people generally know that you're leslie nielsen the actor's brother people in ottawa well, i i don't know i don't it's, i don't go around trumpeting it no more than leslie does in la it wouldn't do him any good nor i no but would they yeah, you know if you someone know, had seen airplane or something would they come and, and, and say to, to you God, your brother's a funny Oh, yeah, guy. I've been mistaken for, for Leslie. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. You know, but I've usually told him to come back next week. <laughs> yeah. He's the one with the big nose. Yeah. <laughs> Which one is better looking uh, in your view? I'm the better looking one. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, of but course. But I'm two years older. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he looks it too, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing is, in the beginning, they would refer, when I was first acting, they would refer uh, with Eric, and they'd say, uh, yes, this is Leslie Nielsen's brother. And that's how they, when he was a member of parliament, then it turned around the way they'd be, aren't you Eric Nielsen's brother? Yeah. That's and right. so we vied back and forth with this constant reference. But yes, people now, do. Now they say, where's Gordon? Yeah. Well, wait, should, uh, Gordon is now retired. Gordon had a, 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 was a police officer in Vancouver, am I Yeah, right? he was there. He was a... a <coughs> and a heck of an athlete. I outstanding athlete. He, he water skied from Nanaimo to Vancouver. Uh, as a younger man, and uh, he was in the force for 10 years out there in the Vancouver City Police Force. Then he left and went into the private sector and was quite successful. 
I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at Eric Nielsen. Next week, we're looking at Herb Gray. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. And you can donate to the podcast by going to canadaehx.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Colin Johnson, Katie Caldwell, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from Yukon Nuggets, CBC, Wikipedia, Regina Leader Post, Whitehorse Daily Star, and the Saskatoon Star Phoenix. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. (laughs) For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.